Ruth chapter number 1 and verse number 1, it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land and a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab. He and his wife and his two sons. And the name of the man was Elimelech and the name of his wife, Naomi. The name of his two sons were Mahalon and Kalion, Ephrathites of Bethlehem, Judah. And they came into the country of Moab and continued there. And Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died. She was left and her two sons. They took them wives of the women of Moab. The name of the one was Orpah and the name of the other Ruth. They dwelled there about ten years. And Mahlon and Kalion also both died, also both of them. And the woman was left of her two sons and her husband. And she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return into the country from the country of Moab. For she had heard in the country of Moab how the Lord had visited his people in giving them bread. Wherefore, she went forth out of the place where she was, and her two daughters-in-law with her, and they went on the way to return unto the land of Judah. Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go return each to her mother's house, and the Lord deal kindly with you as ye have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant you that ye may find rest, each of you in the house of her husband, then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voice and wept. And they said unto her, Surely we will return with thee unto thy people. And Naomi said, Turn again, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Are there yet any more sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? Turn again, my daughters. Go your way, for I am too old to have an husband. And if I should say I have hope, there should... I should have an husband also tonight and should bear sons. Would you tarry for them till they were grown? Would you stay for them from having husbands? Nay, my daughters, for it grieveth me much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord is gone out against me. They lifted up their voice and wept. Norpa kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clave unto her. And she said, Behold, thy sister-in-law has gone back in her people unto her gods. Return thou after thy sister-in-law. Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee or to return from following after thee. For whether thou goest, I will go. Where thou lodgest, I will lodge. And thy people shall be my people. And thy God, my God. Where thou diest, will I die. There will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught but death part thee and me. When she saw that, she was steadfastly minded to go with her. Then she left speaking unto her. So they too went until they came to Bethlehem. And it came to pass, as they were come to Bethlehem, that all the city was moved about them, and said, Is this Naomi? And she said unto them, Call me not Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty hath dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, and the Lord hath brought me home again empty. Why call ye then me Naomi, seeing the Lord hath testified against me, 
and the Almighty hath afflicted me. So Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabite is her daughter-in-law with her, which returned out of the country of Moab, and they came to Bethlehem in the beginning of barley harvest. Back in verse number 7, the word of God says, Wherefore she went forth out of the place where she was, and her two daughters-in-law with her, and they went on the way to return unto the land of Judah. If the Lord will be my helper tonight, I'll give you what the Lord's given me primarily to the church on the subject of Naomi getting right with God. As I look into this story and I want to, I want to focus in on chapter number one, I'm real bad to preach the entire book of Ruth, chapter one, two, three, and four, her deciding, her abiding, her confiding, and finally Boaz providing, chapters one, two, three, and four. It's a beautiful picture of salvation. This story from one end to the other is a picture of a Gentile bride. In typology, we see here Ruth is a Moabitess damsel. She's a Gentile. A picture in typology of the church. When you get to chapter number four, you see Boaz outside the gate as he takes off his shoe and makes an agreement. And just outside the city gate of Jerusalem is where Jesus Christ paid for my sin. And it's all a picture of the buying of the church and the salvation of a soul. But if the Lord will help me tonight, I want to focus on chapter number one, and I want to talk to you about Naomi getting right with God. But first of all, I see here in this story the depravity of man. Famine is in Bethlehem, Judah, which is no doubt a result of rebellion and disobedience. You see, earlier in the Word of God, God promised there'd be famine as a result of man resisting the law of God. You see later as Naomi comes back into the city, she testifies her own self from her own lips how the the testimony is that God has judged her because of sin. And in an attempt to simply exist, we see Elimelech and his wife Naomi find themselves far, far away from God far, far away from the people of God in a pagan land among a heathen people, idol-worshiping people, trying to raise a family in Moab. Moab and the Moabites are one of the two greatest enemies that Israel ever had. And you see David in the Psalms referred to Moab as God's waspot. What a despicable, unsightly, unthinkable thing to call someone as being the waspot, just a vessel that you would use to wash your dirty feet in. But David refers to Moab as the waspot. Their very existence is a testimony to a perverted, incestuous encounter between Lot and his eldest daughter, When she got her father drunk and decided that she needed to help God save the world. What a family testimony. What a family tree to have to go back and look and see. And that's what the Moabites were and were about. In verse number 1, it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land. And a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn. 
The word sojourn here means to be a guest. It means to be a stranger in the country of Moab. He, his wife, and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech. The name of his wife was Naomi. The name of his sons, two sons, were Mahlon and Kalion, Ephrathites of Bethlehem, Judah. And they came into the country of Moab and continued there. You see, it was never Elimelech's intention to continue in Moab. He just meant to be a visitor and a sojourner in Moab. Just so things got a little better. But he got in deeper than he realized he was deep getting into. Sin, they say, will take you farther than you want to go. It'll keep you longer than you want to stay. And it'll cost you more than you want to pay. And the Word of God says they continued. If you study the Word continued... It means they began to be committed to Moab. And as they sojourned, you see the sojourning of Naomi. By virtue of a fallen nature, Naomi stayed way, way too long in the hog pen of Moab. But one thing tonight is an absolute fact. She may have hung out there, but for one minute she didn't belong there and she knew it. If you're saved, born of the Spirit of God, you may very well find yourself inside the borders of Moab one day, but if you're really saved, you'll realize real quick you're out of place. You're not where you belong. God's children are in this world, but God's children are not of this world. And if you fit too well in this world, you're just lost. John fifteen seventeen. these things I command you that you love one another. Why did Jesus command the church to love one another? Because he very well knew this ungodly world is not going to be your friend. If the world hate you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you're not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. I realized this and I got hung up in this a little bit when I first got saved. But a lot of people think that you can hang out with your old buddies and if you just hang out with them and be good to them long enough, you'll be able to lift them up to where you are. But the sad fact of the matter is you hang out with them long enough and they'll drag you down to where they are. Proverbs chapter 6 verse 27 says, Can a man take fire in his bosom and his clothes not be burned? Well, of course not. Verse 28 says, Can one go upon hot coals and his feet not be burned? Well, of course not. That's where your granny got the saying that if you lay with dogs, you're going to get fleas. And that's exactly right, young child of God. Listen, I believe with all my heart in being good to lost folks. I believe you ought to find one once in a while and just be sweet and tender and good to them and buy their dinner once in a while and just let them know you love them and you care about them. But better, Brother Rick, there's something real bad wrong when somebody says they're born again child of God and their best buddies in this world's lost folks there's something ain't right with that it don't line up with this book in Ruth chapter number 1 and verse 19 the word of God said so they too now you see Naomi and Ruth went on till they came to Bethlehem 
And it came to pass when they were come to Bethlehem that all the city was moved about them and they said, Is this Naomi? There was something so drastic took place in Moab that it entirely changed the features of Naomi in such a way that her kinsfolk did not even know for sure that this was Naomi. And they began to noise abroad, Is this Naomi that's come home from Moab? And she said unto them, Call me not Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty hath dealt bitterly with me. I went out full, and the Lord hath brought me home again empty. Why then call you me Naomi, seeing the Lord hath testified against me, and the Almighty hath afflicted me? You see, that word Naomi means pleasant. It means beautiful. There was something special about Naomi that was reflected in her name. But when she comes back to town, she said, don't call me Naomi anymore. Call me Mara. The word Mara means bitter. She said, I'm a bitter individual. And she said, my life's full of bitterness because the Lord hath afflicted me. Child of God, be not deceived. God is not mocked. And whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. A sinner's not going to get away with reap, with sowing bad seeds. And a child of God won't get away with sowing bad seeds. Hebrews chapter 12 said, if you be without chastisement, and that means correction as a father corrects his child. If you be without chastisement, then are you bastards. That's not a dirty word. I know the world has corrupted that. That's an illegitimate child that don't know who his daddy is. And I'll promise you tonight, if you can sin and your heavenly father don't correct you, you need to check up on who your daddy is. And the word of God said, then are you bastards and not sons. And Ruth 1.5, the word of God said, and Mahlon... And Kileon died also. Her husband Elimelech has already passed away. And now died also both of them. And the woman was left of her two sons and her husband. Now I want you to get a hold of this Hebrew word here, left. The word of God said she was left of her two sons and her husband. Brother Mark, there was a time they were a family. There was a time they were a unit, cohesive together. There was a time, no doubt, Elimelech worked in the fields and he came in and she rubbed his tired shoulders as she put some supper on the table and she got the boys dressed and got the boys ready for a day's whatever and put them a little breakfast on the table and what they did, they did together, Miss Megan, four of them, living in the same house. But the Word of God said now she's left of her two sons and her husband. Brother Mark, that word left means a remnant. That means out of what she had, she is all that's left. I'll give you this tonight with broken heart. Naomi got out of Moab. But somewhere on a lonely hillside, she wept bitter tears and said goodbye to her family. And left three grave markers in Moab as testimony to her rebellion. Let me make you a promise, friend. You may go to Moab. You may get out of God's will somewhere and God may have mercy on you. And God may get you out of Moab. 
But on the authority of God's book, tonight you will not come home with what you had when you left. Are you listening? There's some things that Naomi took down to Moab with her that she didn't come back with. She didn't bring her boys back. She didn't bring her husband back. And she came back a broken, bitter individual because sin took some things away from her. Brother Tim shall never get back. Now you play with sin if you want to play with sin. But I promise you on the authority of God's word that if you're saved, born of the spirit of God and you play with sin, you will throw away some things you'll never get back. I know people right now tonight that used to walk with God, Brother Ricky, full of the Holy Ghost of God. I'd just as soon have them pray for me as anybody I ever knew. I knew they knew how to get a hold of God. They knew how to fellowship with God. They could ring heaven's bells for me anytime I need them, Brother Ricky. And I'd just as soon tonight they'd be quiet and not say a word on my behalf because they're so far from God they can't get one through. They've thrown some things away, Brother Jesse, and they ain't never going to get them back. They're saved. They may not be living in Moab anymore, but they ain't where they used to be with God. Boy, that's serious business. I see the depravity of man, but I sure am glad God didn't leave us in that mess. I see the divine providence of holy God. Romans 8. 28 still says that all things work together for good. It don't matter what Megan says, all things ain't good. All things work together for good. Who? To them that love God and to those who are the called according to his purpose. Now, if you've ever really been saved, born of the Spirit of God, God has a purpose with your life. And there's some things that God can work, and even when bad circumstances come, God knows how to work that for his glory. Psalm 103 verse 8 is some of the the most beautiful scripture to my heart. Because I got to get a hold of this, Miss Sean. If I don't, I'd come unglued. I'd absolutely come unglued, Miss Vell. I wouldn't know what to do if God hadn't said the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, plenteous in mercy. He will not always chide. Neither will he keep his anger forever. I'm glad he don't stay mad at me forever when he has to rebuke me, when he has to straighten me out, when he has to chastise me. I realize that it ain't no fun getting chastised. It ain't no fun getting a whipping from God. And if it is fun, you ain't getting a whipping from God. I'll grant you that. But I'm going to tell you what I thank God when I do have to go through one, it don't last forever. He has not dealt with us after our sins. Well, if he did, he'd have slammed us in hell, Brother Jesse, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. And as far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. For he knoweth our frame. And remember that we're dust. I think a lot of fundamental, independent, premillennial, dispensational, King James Bible-believing, mission-minded Baptists have got the misconception that God's sitting on a throne somewhere with a great big stick just waiting for us to mess up so he can reach down and bop us in the head. Brother James, that's not the God I serve. That is not the right perspective of who and what God is all about. The Word of God said God is not slack concerning his promises as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us. 
usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The Word of God says God's not quick to judge us. God gives us opportunity after opportunity after opportunity, Miss Diane, to get things right so he don't have to judge us. But I see the divine providence of God. And I could see Naomi as she starts back toward Bethlehem. And she feels like an absolute failure. She feels like she's lost everything that she's ever had that's ever been worth living for. But in the tenderness and the mercy and the divine providence of a holy God, she's not realizing that while she was there in Moab, that she introduced a pagan Gentile dog to a genuine card-carrying daughter of Abraham. She was a child of the covenant from Bethlehem, Judah. And she may not have been where she wanted to be, but she wasn't where she started out from. And tonight, you look at me a whole lot of times in my life, Brother Ricky, I ain't where I want to be, but I ain't where I started from either. I ain't where I used to be. And you see her trying to get right with God. You see her trying to make an attempt here to repent and get right with God. And even in this, you see the divine providence of God. That little old Ruth has never seen anything real in her life. All she's ever seen is Chemos worship and Moloch worship. And she's seen her king sacrifice his own child to those pagan gods. She's never seen anything real in her life. And now comes Naomi along. And she sees God deal with Naomi. And she sees Naomi get it in her heart that I've got to get back to where I started from. I ain't where I'm supposed to be. I ain't where I want to be. And there's something more to this thing than what I'm living in. And Ruth, something rung in her heart that day and said, there's something real about what she's got. Hey, if you're saved, you're born of the Spirit of God. You may not always be what you're supposed to be. As a church, we may not always be what we're supposed to be. We may not always be full of God. We may not always be full of faith. But we are not like this world. And this world, if somebody really wants to know the truth, they realize there's a difference. If folks go to cutting you down and picking you apart and dissecting you, they're not looking for anything to start with. Naomi feels like a failure, but Ruth saw a living demonstration of repentance worked in Naomi. Naomi is getting right with God. Now Ruth's about to. But if you pay attention to this picture, Ruth ain't getting right with God till Naomi does. Are you listening? And our lost friends and our lost family and lost folks coming in and out of this building ain't getting right with God till we do. I see the drawing of the Holy Spirit. Did you know if you're saved, you're born of the Spirit of God, God draws you to get right with Him when you get knocked out of gear? John 14, 15, If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and He shall give you another comforter. And He shall abide with you how long? Till you mess up? Forever. Even the Spirit of truth. Whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. I'll not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more. But ye see me, because I live, and ye shall live also. At that day ye shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. And he that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father. And I will love him 
and will manifest myself to him. That's what the Word of God says. The Word of God said if you're saved and you keep God's commandments, God the Father is going to love you and Jesus is going to love you. And if you're saved, Jesus is going to manifest himself to you and you'll be able to fellowship with him and be able to walk with him and be able to worship him and be able to praise him. And I'm going to tell you what most of the world that says they're saved, born of the Spirit of God, has never fellowship with Jesus Christ. And you can, if you can live without that fellowship, quite likely you've never known that fellowship. Now most of you, many of you sitting here tonight say you're saved, born of the Spirit of God. But I'd just like to know how many of you have took at least 15 minutes in this day, at least 15 minutes that you have poured your heart out to your Heavenly Father. Oh, you say, I've thought about him all day long. Thinking ain't praying. I said, thinking ain't praying. I'm talking about have you fellowship with him where you talk to him and he talked back to you and comforted you. I mean, I wonder how many of you spend any time at all. You say you love God. You say you walk with God. But how much time have you spent with your nose in your Bible today? I'm talking about today. You say, Preacher Mike, I work. I got kids to raise. I got things to do. Yeah, well, you say you know God. But do you fellowship with him? Do you walk with him? Hey, listen, I get tired of this crowd telling me all the time they know God and they don't know a thing about what they're talking about. That disturbs me, Brother Jesse, because I know deep down in my heart that the vast majority of the religious community, Brother Mark, would not know Jesus Christ if he walked in and sat down in our midst tonight. They could not pick him out of the crowd. They never fellowship with him. They never walk with him. They never talk with him. Listen, every day is not what I want it to be. Every day, Miss Nita, I don't get to live like I want to every day. There's some days that I'm pretty far away from God. And once in a while, I confess my faults one to another. As the Word of God says, Miss Megan, and I look at my precious wife and I say, Honey, I feel like God's a million miles away and I ain't nowhere near him today. And my wife will look back at me and she said, I've had the same kind of day. And Brother Tim, that's a good time for both of us to stop and sit down in the living room and share hearts with one another and bow our heads and try to talk to God and tell Him we're sorry that we're so sorry and that we've walked so far away from Him. Listen, I know you're busy. I know you got things to do. I know the world puts pressure on you. I know you got financial pressures. I know you got physical pressures. I know the devil's a hounding on you all the time and the world's hounding on you all the time. But if you're saved, you're born of the Spirit of God, God lives in inside you, you all fellowship with him. Brother Jesse, it's amazing to me how far I can get from God and I can put my nose in this book, Miss Pat, because I'm compelled that I need to study the word of God. Not because I'm spiritual and just want to study. I know I need to study. And I'll put my nose in that book and after a little while, Miss Megan, God show me something in that book and I get to reading that book next thing I know God snuggled up to me brother Ricky and God's made things alright because you're washed by the word of God that word of God's a cleansing agent it washes the dirty heart of the man and if you'll study and read that word of God listen don't give me no flimsy excuses y'all got CDs you got MP3 players you got computers you don't have to just sit down and read the word of God you can play it in your CD player and there's a cleansing agent, Brother Mark. And that word of God will do something in the heart of a child of God. It'll clean you up, get you in fellowship with God. Amen. There's an old saying that sin will keep you from this book, and this book will keep you from sin. Well, if you stay with your nose in that book, you'll be able to fellowship with God. 
Boy, I can tell. I can tell. Listen, I, I ain't real smart and I don't know a whole lot, but I can tell folks try to act like they're in fellowship with God and they ain't. There's a drawing of the Holy Ghost, Brother Jesse, if you're saved, to draw you to a place to get you back where you're supposed to be. There's some things that if you can live without that fellowship, you just ain't saved. God uses some things to draw sinners. He uses the preaching of the Word of God. God, I'll tell you what, God did something in my heart here Monday night, Brother Mark. God did something in my heart when I started praying about the subject of preaching going forth out of this church. That's what God's pleased with. God's pleased with preaching to go forth out of this church. God blesses the preaching of the Word of God. And there's something about the preaching of the Word of God that gets like a burr under the saddle of some sinner. And it gets to bothering them and a working on them. And the Holy Ghost of God will use that to draw them. He'll use that to show a man he's lost. But he'll use that to show a man that there's something more than what he's got hold of. God will use preaching. God will use people. God will use your testimony. God may use you to give somebody a CD or something like that. But God will use your testimony. I mean, these girls knew there was something different about Naomi. Now, I wonder if we just took a break tonight and called time out and had everybody bow your head. I wonder how many of you live a life around your co-workers and around your family that there's anybody in your world and in your existence that knows you've got something they ain't got. Hey, listen, I watched folks come in here last Wednesday night blow up like a bullfrog. You know why, Miss Diane? They hated preaching. They absolutely despise preaching. And I've thought about this and it's hurt my feelings, Brother Mark. Some of them don't like me. Some of them don't like my wife. And that bothers me. But God has put it in my heart and today I verbalized this to my wife. I said, honey, as much as that bothers me, that ain't what really gets me, Brother Ricky. It's the fact it's God they don't like. It's the preaching of the Word of God they don't like and they hate God. That's why people don't want it. Boy, it does something to them, Brother Wesley. And that's why it's important for us to rear back, come hell or high water. It don't matter what the liberals say, and it don't matter what folks next door and up the road and down the street say. We need to just rear back and preach the word of God. That's what gets the job done, Brother Ricky. That's what makes the devil mad. That's why some of you in the fix you in tonight because the devil's mad at you because you've been supporting the preaching of the word of God. That's exactly right, Brother Mark. I believe that with all my heart. Preacher will get the job done, but God uses people and God uses prayers. The drawing of the Holy Ghost of God. God made you some promises in the Word and some old sinners got that Word of God hid in their heart and God uses people to pray, to believe God so God will send the Holy Ghost and draw them to Himself. Boy, I love to see it when God gets to loving old sinner. It just tickles the daylights out of me to see them squirm in their chair. And, and it's like something's got a hold of them and they're trying to get away from it. They don't know it's God loving on them. He's a squeezing on their heart and putting his arms around them and they're so uncomfortable they don't know which way to, And they don't understand, Brother Mark, it's God loving on them. God uses prayers and that's why it's so important not only for us just to have, we need to have a daily fellowship with God in this book. But boy, we need to have a prayer life, children. Now listen, I've told you this till I'm blue in the face. And I, listen, please, I want you to understand there's a place you can walk with God. And you can have a fellowship with God. That don't mean you're going to be perfect. But there's a drawing of the Holy Ghost of God. And you can have a part in that by being a willing vessel that God could use you 
to pray for some old sinner. Or God could use you to be a light and be a witness to some old sinner. Give them a testimony to be different than everybody else. I, I had an old uncle. He's dead and gone now. But uh, it was lunchtime and everybody was talking and, uh, and he knew it was all going to say grace anyway over the food, but he'd stop everybody and he'd say, he said, I like to say a few words before I eat. <laughs> Brother Tim, they notice. They notice. Brother Jesse, they notice. You go to McDonald's and you go to Burger King and you go to these places and you sit down during dinner time and everybody's sitting around you and they're piled up and they're running them through there like cattle going through a cattle gate. And you just stop what you're doing and bow your head for a minute or two. You don't have to stand up and be a Pharisee and put on a show, but they know. They know there's something different about you. They know. There's the drawing of the Holy Spirit, and finally there are the demands of repentance. Naomi tested these two girls, and she told them, she said, why don't y'all just go back? Back in verse number 6, the Word of God said, Then she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the country of Moab how the Lord had visited his people and given them bread. Wherefore she went forth out of the place where she was and her two daughters-in-law with her, and they went on their way and turned into the land of Judah. Naomi said unto her two daughters-in-law, Go, return each to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you as ye have dealt with the dead and with me. And the Lord grant you that ye might find rest, each of you, in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voice and wept. They said in her, Surely we will return with thee unto thy people. Naomi said, Turn again, my daughters, why will you go with me? And she goes into the discourse about the sons in her womb, and would you tarry for them? The Word of God says in verse 14, They lifted up their voice and wept again, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law. But Ruth cleaved unto her. I heard a preacher one time say Orpah was a lever and Ruth was a cleaver. That's two types of people you're going to run into in this world. Some of them's going to be levers and some of them's going to be cleavers. But she was going to test them, find out did they really want to go or not. There's some of you, God tested you before you got saved, see if you really wanted anything or not. There's some of you, God's going to test you in your world. God's going to test you in your life. Ruth said, entreat me not to leave thee or to return from following after thee. For whether thou goest, I will go, and where thou lodgest, I will lodge. And thy people shall be my people. Thy God, my God. Where thou diest will I die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught but death part thee and me. When she saw that she was steadfastly minded to go with her, she left speaking unto her. So they too, they start out as three, that's the way it is most of the time. So they too went until they came to Bethlehem. It came to pass when they were come to Bethlehem that all the city was moved about them, and they said, is this Naomi? And she said unto them, Call me not Naomi. Call me Mara. For the Almighty hath dealt very bitterly with me. You know what? She said, Call me Mara, but I don't find in the Scripture they ever called her that. She's still Naomi. She just got knocked out of gear, Miss Pat. She need to get back in the right place where she belonged. The Almighty hath dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, and the Lord hath brought me home again empty. 
Why do you call me Naomi, seeing the Lord hath testified against me, and the Almighty hath afflicted me? So Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law with her, which returned out of the country of Moab, and they came to Bethlehem in the beginning of barley harvest. Barley harvest was not what people ate unless you were real poor. Barley was horse food, cow food, donkey food. She returned at a time and she saw who and what she was. And she realized that if she was going to get any help, she was going to have to get out in that barley field and get the gleaning and try to get whatever it is she could get, she was going to have to try to get it. But what she didn't understand, there was a treasure waiting in that barley field. And it wasn't a few shocks of barley. It's Boaz. It's the man that owned the field that fell madly in love with her when he saw little old Ruth, the Moabitess damsel. And he got to asking around about her brother Icky. There's a treasure in that field and it wasn't barley. There's a man that loved her. He's the type of Christ, the type of the Son of God, the salvation of mankind. And you see that, and that winds up one day being in the genealogy of the Lord Jesus Christ, Miss Lord. This, this, this woman, this Naomi that got backslid, if you will, on the Lord and got in a bad place, if she had lived long enough, the Lord Jesus Christ, as a little baby, would have sat on her lap and called her mamma. <laughs> she didn't know that then. She just being who she was. Ruth didn't know what she's getting hold of, Miss Pat. She didn't have no idea what was waiting in that field. But that field wasn't in Moab. I said that field ain't in Moab. It's in Bethlehem, Judah. And she wasn't getting no help till she got out of Moab. And she wasn't getting out of Moab unless she was following Naomi. And Naomi didn't have the answer. Naomi couldn't fix her, Brother Mark. But Naomi knew the way to get her to where the help was. And Naomi did that very thing. Ruth was determined in her heart that she was going to turn her back on everything she'd ever known. Everything she'd ever known as a child growing up, she's a young married woman. Her, she's already a widow now. She's fixing to work on her second husband. And everything that she's ever known in her life, Brother Ricky, she's fixing to turn her back on. That's what repentance is. That's what repentance is about. And I wonder, and I've thought about this, and I've articulated this in time past, but it excites me enough I'd say it again, Brother Mark. But I can imagine that her mom-in-law got to tell her stories. Ruth ain't never been to Bethlehem, Judah. She don't know what it looks like. She don't know nothing about it. But Bethlehem, Judah means house of bread. It was a place of bread and a place of plenty. And she's lived all her life in God's wash pot. And the only thing she's got to go on is some stories that Naomi's told her. But Naomi's real. And Naomi might not be really right, but she is real. And Naomi's got real testimony. And what she's telling that girl's real. And I'm telling you tonight, you might not always just be right with God. But if you ever really been saved, what you've got inside you is real. And God ain't going to deny himself. And you've got a story to tell. And the devil will try to stomp you down where you can't tell it. The devil will try to beat you down where you can't tell Listen, I walked to the front door this morning. Precious little old Jehovah's false witness crawled out of the car up here. Little old girl, about 10, probably 14, 15 years old, crawled out of the back of that car, come up to the front door. 
Now, there was a part of me, Brother Jesse, in my heart that I wanted to uh, let her know right quick she's at a Baptist preacher's house and there's a Baptist church here. But you know what? I opened that door and I seen that little girl in the eyes, Miss Pat. My heart melted and I broke. And the only thing I could do the whole time she was trying to do her little old spill was say, I'm so sorry. And I said that out loud several times, Brother Jesse, I'm so sorry. Because it broke my heart. She didn't know no better. I wasn't mad at her, Miss Pat. She didn't know no better. That's all she knew. And I had a real testimony, Brother Wesley. And I'd really like to really give her my testimony. And I'd really like to told her some Bible doctrine. But the Holy Ghost of God said, just be sweet, be kind to her. Because she ain't used to that. And I was just sweet to her and as good as I knew how to be, Miss Laura. And she got ready to go. And I said, I'm sorry, but we don't have a thing in common. And I, I, I know you got Watchtower material. You like to give it to me, but I, I don't believe that. And, I, honey, I don't believe that things are getting better. They believe that things are just getting better and better all the time. And then one day it's just going to get so good, Jesus is just going to show up and set up his kingdom because we got so good. Well, that's what they believe. And I said, honey, I'm sorry. Things are not getting better. They're getting worse. She stopped and looked at me. And she said, you know, I respect your opinion. And she said, I just want you to know I appreciate you being kind to me. She turned and walked away, Brother Jesse, because I'm sure she's used to getting cussed by Baptists that don't know how to deal with Jehovah's Witnesses. But you know what? You can be a light, Brother Mark. You can be a witness. You can be a testimony. Never open your Bible. I'll tell you what, little old Naomi was a light and she was a witness to Ruth. And I believe in all my heart when she witnessed to Ruth about the bread. I believe she said, honey, they, I know you've had bread down here in Moab, but you ain't never, you ain't never had one of them big old yeast rolls until you've got one fresh out of the oven in the place that's known as the house of bread. And I believe with all my heart the Holy Ghost of God used Naomi to hook that girl. And I believe she'd lay in bed at night thinking about what one of them big old cat head biscuits down there tastes like with some apple butter in it. I believe that, Brother Jesse. I believe that with all my heart. And I believe with all my heart that if you'll live right, if God will let us right back and preach the Word of God, it won't be every one of them or for left. And Ruth was the only one stayed. But I believe God will hook some folks and they'll come in here and they'll say, I don't know about all of what they're saying. I just know they got something I got. And I believe they'll go home and get to wondering about that and saying, you know what? I don't know exactly how to get this, but I wish I had it. You know what that is? That's the Holy Ghost of God drawing men. But there's a demand of repentance. And that demand is that you're going to have to turn your back on everything you ever knew. And that is exactly, precisely what Ruth was willing to do. Listen, if you're saved, you're born of the Spirit of God. There's times in my life God brings me to a place God demands that I repent, Brother Jesse. Demands it. I mean, God tells me, Mike, you're wrong and you're going to change and you're going to do it right now. I don't have a choice, Brother Tim. I'm not my own. I'm bought with a price. There's times I have to repent, Brother Ricky. And that means things that I thought, things that I felt, and things that I thought were real important to me, I have to absolutely turn my back on to be able to please God. And if a man ever gets saved, born of the Spirit of God, there's got to be something working on the inside of him that causes him to say, hey, there really is more to life than what I've got. And I see people work and they get good jobs and they build big houses and they buy fine automobiles and 
all this stuff and there's never any peace and there's never any joy and there's never any contentment. And deep down in their heart, the Holy Ghost brings them to a place where they can say there's got to be more to this than I've got. But tonight I wonder if sinners ponder that question, child of God, does it ever occur to you that there might be more to walking with God than what you've got? That there might be more to being full of God and full of faith? And seeing God work in your life than what you've got. I mean, is there something standing in your way that the Holy Ghost of God's pounding on you saying you need to repent? I mean, you need to make... Hey, change is not easy, Miss Shauna. Hey, she's lived in she's lived in Moab 10 years. I mean, she's got three grave markers down there on the side of a lonely hill somewhere. And she's going to have to say goodbye to them, Brother Jesse. She ain't going to be able to go out on Easter and put no flowers on the grave. She's going to have to turn her back on everything. She's going to have to walk away. Brother Mark, there's some times in my life and in yours, if you're going to be right with God, God's going to call on you to turn your back on some things. And you're going to have to just do it. But Brother Ricky, I've never had anything in my world, nothing, not one thing in my world that God ever required me to turn my back on that he didn't bless me a hundredfold in some other way every single time, every time. And I love him. And I won't be right with him, Brother Tim. Now, it's up to God, and it's God's business saving souls. I can't do that, and you can't either. But I can try to be as right with him as I know how to be. But I'm going to make you promise I love you, and I care about you. If you're looking at Moab with lust in your eyes, and you're thinking about crossing the town limits of Moab, I'll make you promise. You may go in, and you may get out with your life, but you'll not be able to come back out with what you had when you went in. Brother Mark, I know preachers tonight that I respect dearly. I know a very precious man of God that I have seen in my life preach in the fullness of the power of the Holy Ghost of God and fed my soul. And, and Brother Mark, I've seen God use him mightily. I happened to be in a service where he was at just three or four years ago. I saw him open a King James Bible, Brother Jesse, and preach for an hour and ten or an hour and fifteen minutes as hard as he could preach. And Brother Mark, in that hour and 10 or hour and 15 odd minutes that he stood and thundered the word of God, not one time, not for one second did I discern an ounce of Holy Ghost. None. None. Somehow, somewhere, Brother Ricky, he got in Moab. He lost something while he was there, Brother Mark. And it ain't never come back. And chances are it ain't never going to. I just hold up rather you not ever get down there than have to be worried about trying to get something back once you've lost it. Because there's some things you can lose, Miss Diane, once they're gone, you ain't getting them back. Some of you got some precious children. Once you've lost them, there comes a point that you ain't getting them back. These teenagers, these young people, and I watch some of our young people, and they're, they're pivoting right now. They're at a pivotal point in their life, and Brother Jesse, they're either about to get help or about, they're about to go completely wild, Brother Mark. I see it. But I'm going to tell you what, once you've lost them, they're gone. You do anything, cry, pray, do anything you want to. When you've lost them, they're gone. It's over. If they're gone, they're gone. But I'm going to tell you what, we better make sure we don't lose some things. We better make sure we keep some things. I want to keep the presence of God in my life. I want to keep the presence of God in the church. And God's trying to help His children tonight. And there may be lost folks here. God may be dealing with you. 
God's trying to help his children tonight.